Welcome to Genia Conversations, Redefining Healthcare. I'm your host, Andrea Durkin. Today, my guest is Corbin Petro. She's the CEO and co-founder of Eleanor Health, the nation's first addiction and mental health services provider using value-based care delivery and payments. If you enjoy our conversation, follow us wherever you get podcasts to learn more about Genia and the evolution to value-based care. Let's get started. Well, welcome. Great. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm really glad you could make the time. Let's get started with your current venture. Absolutely. Well, uh, first and foremost, I spent my entire career in in healthcare, in the healthcare space. Uh, I think some of the the threads of my career have been designing unique payment models, um, working to improve the care for vulnerable populations, um, changing how we deliver care and and introducing um, new care delivery mechanisms. And then across all of that, really tying it together with technology and data have been core themes in my career. Prior to Eleanor, I ran a payer provider joint venture that involved me running a state insurance business and launching a new uh, organization as part of that joint venture that really focused on taking care of people with high need, high cost care uh, in the home, uh, for example, and telephonically. Prior to that, um, I, I was chief operating officer of Medicaid in Massachusetts, so very strong interest in that population and serving, serving that population. And then earlier in my career, spent time um, at the U.S. Senate writing parts of the Affordable Care Act and worked in consulting, uh, focusing on hospital systems, payers, healthcare service businesses, uh, most recently at Bain. Um, and so Eleanor Health really integrates all of those themes that I, that I talked about. Eleanor Health is um, focused on taking care of people who are affected by substance misuse um, and really focusing on a whole person approach to those individuals who are affected by substance misuse. Mental health and substance use disorder care in this country has been you know, largely delivered um, in an, a bit of a cottage industry in an uncoordinated fashion, has been separate uh, from sort of physical health in many ways, um, delivered without evidence, delivered in a you know, fee-for-service, not value-based way. So there was really a lot of opportunity to better serve this population with a very comprehensive, coordinated approach that's multimodal um, and really we're looking to take care of um, take care of these these individuals who have been poorly served uh, by our healthcare system. So you did mention some of your past um, as a head of Med- Massachusetts Medicaid and also a successful entrepreneur and I wonder what made you choose this specific area as your next as your current venture. Absolutely. And I think when you look at the healthcare ecosystem, where there are opportunities, again, to, to leverage um, bringing in value-based care and unique payment models, taking care of people who have been poorly served and underserved um, in the healthcare ecosystem, um, people who are struggling with substance misuse and substance use disorder really emerged as an area of opportunity. I got exposed to them in my work at Benavera, just realized that through many of the patients that we were working with who had other challenges, other chronic comorbidities. There was a thread um, because of the opioid epidemic, um, because of addiction at large, that felt like those components weren't being addressed uh, in an efficient way. And so really saw an opportunity to, to change how we deliver healthcare in this space and how we pay for it. And so that's sort of how Eleanor was, um, uh, was developed, was really trying to bring in a lot of these 
components of healthcare that that are existing in on the physical side. So value based care, um, you know, sort of thinking about using technology and data, really bringing it into this space to take care of of these people that had been poorly served by the healthcare systems. So that was, you know, that that's sort of how how the 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 seed of the idea and and the organization started and. We've really just um, we've just begun, really, in many ways, but we've grown tremendously um, over the past 18 months as we brought this approach um, to the market. Both from a patient perspective, we hear nothing but positives from from the community members, what we call our patients, who we treat. Um, we we often hear things like, "It's so amazing to be treated like a human." The bar is really low um, in this space to to make an impact on the the community member and patient side, and then from a you know from payers who we partner with, um, really they they've been used to seeing you know bad actors in this space, um, people who are abusing the fee for service system, and so I think they are often delighted to see that we we have our eye on outcomes um, uh, in a way that others haven't. So you mentioned value-based care. How um, how do you do that at LR Health? So this is an area that I could talk about all day long. I think um, how we incentivize and how we pay for things is um, really important in healthcare, and it's been you know an area of improvement um, for the past many years since since the ACA. You know, we as you know, in a fee for service environment, we incentivize a lot of the wrong things, and that is all too true in in this space where. The payment system on a fee-for-service basis really incentivizes relapse over recovery. And so we try to design with our payer partners a model that, that focuses on the populations who need us most, working on engaging those populations, bringing them into the right level of treatment and care, really taking care of them for a long term. Because this is a chronic condition, just like diabetes, just like kidney disease. We know that we can build long-term trusted relationships where we can take care of their primary need, which is mental health and substance use disorder, but we can also coordinate for their physical comorbidities. So our payment models um, vary from, you know, bundles with, you know, some total cost of care, um, upside downside to population-based models, which really give us responsibility for taking care of a population who could benefit from, from our care. And does payer identify the population or is the population self-identified? I mean, are you using ID and strat models? Yeah. So we're using sort of risk stratification and ID models. You know, we usually try to work with the payer to look at their population and their needs. And it could be a mix of, um, you know, diagnoses. So, you know, a substance use disorder diagnoses, or, you know, you can see in the data, it's obvious that they are, you know, drug seeking or, you know, having other challenges that make it clear, even if they don't have a diagnosis of substance use disorder. And typically the people that we care for in these population-based approaches are the higher need ones. And so typically they have another diagnosis, either a physical or other mental health diagnosis, or you can see it through some of their behavior that they are in crisis because of their ED and inpatient utilization. So in terms of your current venture, Eleanor Health, any differences in securing startup funding or customers? Startup funding, um, you know, I think the pandemic has, um, you know, put a lot of tailwinds behind mental health. I think, you know, the, the, the COVID environment has revealed that 
We all feel anxiety, isolation, uncertainty. Many of us turn to substances, whether or not that is in you know, a way that would indicate we have a substance use disorder. Many people are, I would say, misusing substances in a way to cope with some of the experiences around the pandemic. And I think having that emerge in the employer space, having that emerge as a, as a broader need um, has been helpful when it comes to, to fundraising. We're just launching our, our Series B, and just the interest from investors has been significant as they recognize that there is a continued focus um, in this space. Um, for customer acquisition, this is probably um, just a lot different than my past experiences. This is the most omni-channel customer acquisition uh, space I've ever been in. When you ask somebody maybe who's had a family member who has struggled with addiction and how they found care, it very infrequently involves other parts of the healthcare system. You know, it often involves a Google search or something else where they're navigating on their own. And so I think, I think that will change. You know, I think PCPs and others will, will introduce and continue to build upon universal screenings to identify some of these things. But historically, because of stigma, it hasn't been part of those discussions. Our customer acquisition includes relationships with PCPs, obviously partnerships with payers where they are directing their members to us. We have um, you know, models where we are engaging, outreaching and engaging populations. We have you know, a strong you know, Google and SEO channel um, where we, we get members. So the members really come from everywhere. And I think it's important that we're able to accept members from everywhere because that's still how many people are, are seeking care in this space. So give us a peek ahead about what does 2021 look like for Eleanor Health? So 2021 is a huge year for, for Eleanor Health in terms of our growth. Um, so I mentioned that we partner with payers. That's, that's typically how we go into new markets is we find a payer who believes in what we're doing and believes in, in innovating and paying in a new way for, um, for the work that we do. And then we enter into a market where we help them determine where's the best place for us to put up clinics, you know, how's the best way to engage your population? Is it digitally? Our first two markets were North Carolina and New Jersey. Those are, you know, well advanced in um, their maturity and, and the members that were, were serving there. We launched in Massachusetts and Washington at the end of 2020. Um, again, through partnerships with the payers. Uh, early 2021, we are entering into Ohio and Louisiana through partnerships with payers. Um, and over 2021, we're opening, we're planning on opening about 20 uh, new clinics. So, you know, through those commitments with payers. So it's just a very big growth year. Um, you know, it's a year, obviously, that we're, that we're fundraising. And, you know, our, our, our goal is to really, you know, change how the, the people who are affected by substance misuse are treated by the healthcare system and do our best to engage them in the most compassionate um, way that we can. Um, we have a, a harm reduction approach. Um, I, I, I always say um, we are all about improving the care, similar to a population health approach. We don't, you know, we don't have a sort of abstinence-based, um, we don't kick people out uh, like often happens in this space. And so, um, you know, we, we, we hope to just continue to expand um, and be able to serve more and more members. What's not wrong in healthcare today? I think there's a lot of innovation happening in healthcare right now. And I think there is, you know, potentially because of the pandemic, uh, a new approach on how people can be better served in taking care of 
the parts that we've often separated from healthcare. So I think mental health, social determinants, non-clinical components that we know drive up a lot of the healthcare spend. I think there's a, a good amount of attention uh, on those areas. And I see, I see that as a sign of progress. Um, I also see as a sign of progress, you know, CMS continuing to introduce through CMMI new payment models, new ways of thinking about populations, you know, direct contracting that just came out, I think is a great new innovation to have us continue to think about what are the right relationships for patients to have, who are the right entities on the side of healthcare to build these relationships to help drive sort of meaningful health outcomes that go outside of process. Right. So a lot of our health outcomes have focused on process. So really thinking and we think that way about whole health outcomes, you know, life satisfaction, employment, things that really matter when it, in the grand scheme of things and do end up ultimately impacting healthcare spends. I feel I'm, I'm an optimistic person, so I, I think there's a lot of progress. And, you know, I think this administration from a, a sort of CMS perspective will continue to move the ball forward. Um, as, as you know, in healthcare, we, we often all sort of fall behind whatever CMS introduces. So I think as, as long as they continue to, to innovate um, in this way, we'll see a lot of progress. What's your COVID-19 bright spot? Tons of challenges to being a, a mom um, in, this, in this environment, but one of the bright spots has been the time that I get to spend with my two young sons uh, and seeing them grow as best friends and as um, just watching them develop. They're at an age where it's just fun to be part of their day-to-day in ways that I, that I haven't been able to because of uh, you know, commitment to, to work. So that's been, that's been a bright spot, um, even, even if there are challenges to it. Thank you to Corbin Petro and to you for joining us. If you enjoyed our discussion and want to hear more like it, subscribe to Jania Conversations on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The views, information, or opinions expressed by the guests of Jania Conversations Redefining Healthcare are their own and do not necessarily represent the policy or position of Jania LLC. Many thanks for listening.